1: Coming up, uh, Debbie and I will do our Friday roundup. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden. We're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein and the Epstein list. We're also going to talk about the phenomenon of Javier Millet in Argentina and what progressive policies have done to America's most beautiful state. Yes, I'm talking about California. I'll also explore the four types of love outlined in C.S. Lewis's classic work, The Four Loves. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show.
0: America needs this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza podcast.
1: Debbie and I are here for our Friday roundup, but here we are in our well I guess this is our new Our new set, format.
2: Right? <laughs> our new <set. laughs>
1: well you were instrumental in helping to set it up and I I think it's a it's a more we used to sit side by side, and I think it was a little unnatural because... It
2: was, because uh, we never sit side by... When do we sit side by side?
1: Right. In the <laughs> restaurant, we've been like, more likely to sit across. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. And it's easier to talk yeah. that way. Yeah. So in any event, um, the um, let's start talking about the Epstein, the oh. Jeffrey Epstein list. Well, it's not really a client list. It would be better if we had the client list from... You know, Gillen Maxwell, these were the list of all the customers, or at least these were all the patrons. This is a flight log list, but it's still revealing. And and also excerpts from testimony uh, in which people, in fact, victims of Epstein are being interviewed and names are brought up. Uh, Prince Andrew, uh, Bill Clinton. So let's start with Bill Clinton. I mean, this guy—he
2: mm, likes I, him young.
1: I mean, not not <laughs> a big course. surprise, right?
2: Clinton that, was a
1: regular. That
2: is okay. If that man is, doesn't creep you out, this will. This should creep you out about this guy. Yeah, we know he's a sexual predator. We we've heard from his victims, um, and so this doesn't really surprise me at all. Does it surprise you?
1: Well, no, but again, you know, this information appears to be coming out too late for there to be any accountability. In fact, right away, I notice even media reports, no one is claiming that there's any illegality. Right. Well.
2: Right. Well, if um, you like them young... Probably you've done something illegal. I mean, I'm just
1: saying. Well, why are right? you there? What is what? What, what yeah. was Clinton's reason yeah. for his multiple trips? Yeah, um, and and then Prince Andrew. I mean, pretty yeah. outrageous and shocking. Now, I think you were telling me that the that the royal family is on to this guy. And- well,
2: somewhat, but I don't. I don't think they have shunned him completely. I don't think that they have completely done away with him, like as in we don't want anything to do with you because I think he's still there, especially after the death of Queen Elizabeth. I think she was the one that was like, I I want nothing to do with you. And then I think his brother king charles is like it's okay you know we're gonna overlook this so i'm not really sure how it's going down in in that you know in their in world that, yeah
1: in that world yeah but, um. but it
2: is pretty interesting how how the bill clinton uh you know i guess scandal was hidden right before the 2016 election Right on purpose. Like we don't want we don't want this to come out because it could damage Hillary Clinton as the candidate. Right. So they hid it. That is even worse, I think, than 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 the scandal itself. And and so, but it goes to show you how far the media is willing to go to hide the just
1: the most sordid, horrific, behavior. And, and
2: yeah, horrific behavior. Sort of
1: just. Just to get their guy, in this yeah. case, Hillary, across the finish yeah. line. And it's not the only time because, as we were talking um, a little bit ago, this is exactly what happened with Hunter Biden and the laptop in exactly the right. 2020 election. Exactly right. right. So yes. a replay of another yeah. scandal, probably yeah. of the same, uh, uh, also of c- big magnitude.
2: Yeah. I mean, this one, this one involved um, a little bit more of a, like, I guess a, a, a foreign scandal, I guess, than this. But uh, but nonetheless, it was still a scandal and it could have kept people from voting for for Joe Biden. And and of course, because the media because he was the darling, as Hillary Clinton was the darling, they, they like I told you a couple of days ago, I said, it's really interesting how they make up scandals about the person they don't want. And they hide the scandals of the people that they do want.
1: So right before the 2020 election, they'll drop a Stormy Daniels accusation yeah. or they were the Whit- Whitmer kidnapping hoax. Notice yeah. that that came out just two weeks before the election. And there's not enough time to figure out what really happened. And there's Whitmer. Yeah, there are all these white supremacists who are trying to kidnap me, even though Whitmer knew from the beginning that this was orchestrated, this was a setup. In fact, she let the FBI in to install all these sort of surveillance devices in her house. So while the the kidnapping plot is brewing, she is... uh, He's appraised about it from from the beginning. So this is the fictional scandals that are used against Trump.
2: Right. And don't you think, you know, people are alluding to, oh, yeah, Trump was on that list. But don't you think if Trump was really on that list, like as if he was really going to Lolita Island and doing all the shenanigans, don't you think we would have known that in twenty? 20- You know, 20 at least, 2020? For sure. For sure. Maybe not 2016, because then they would have had to bring in the Clinton angle. But for sure in 2020, when when the Clintons weren't weren't on around the scene, on right. the scene um so i don't think there's any any merit to that at no, all i mean
1: there's no evidence that trump went to that right island at i think all.
2: i think he's mentioned because I, epstein wanted him to go to the casino wanted him to to you know do that and and he was like no you cannot be underage you have to be 21 to be in a casino and i think i think he was trying to get these girls in there even underage girls obviously and and i think that the um the trump I guess, team said no.
1: I mean, you're so right about the media cover-up, because remember that uh, time when the ABC journalist Amy Roach was caught on a sort of a hot mic, and she was like, Epstein, we Is her name
2: Amy Roach or Amy Robach? I'm sorry,
1: you know what? It's not Amy Roach. It's Amy Robach.
2: Yeah, Robach. That's what I thought.
1: Yeah, she's like, uh, we had the goods on Epstein. We, We had the connection to the Clintons but the higher-ups would have nothing of it. They yeah. suppressed the story. And so, I mean, I, I guess part of what is so creepy about this whole thing is that there is evidently a, a pedophile ring at the highest levels of our society. Uh, and it involves Hollywood. It involves... The,
2: the left. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, and it is on the left. It is on-, it is
1: on the left. There's no. There's an ideological component right. to it. I mean, this is... This is sort of a vindication of Alex Jones because I mean, Alex Jones would talk like this years ago, and people would go, Well, that's that's a little, ri-. and I even thought, you know. Some of this stuff is a little bit out there. You
2: mean he talked about
1: he about, talked the about Epstein? But no, he just talked oh. about a ring of pedophiles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. who are in yes. the highest positions. Yeah, you of remember media and they, government. Tried,
2: they tried they try to say that that was a Q thing. Remember, right? That it was all fake and that they, none that of it was none true. of it was true. It turns out I think all of it is true. Or, I mean, it's or looking it it's true. looking like it anyway. I mean Look at
1: this little tidbit here. This is from Technofog magician David Copperfield was a guest at Epstein's house. They were described <laughs> as friends. And, and and it even says that Copperfield turned to one of the girls and said something like, are you aware that this guy Epstein pays girls to go recruit other girls? So
2: let, let me let me get this straight. I did see that. Yeah. Does that mean that Copperfield knew that, that Epstein was a pedophile?
1: Yes, I think it does mean that he knew that that was the way that they were recruiting all these girls to come. Then why on earth would he go to this? Well, the only explanation is that he was part of it. I mean, at some level. I don't know. They're not saying... They're not saying... They're not saying... They say say Copperfield performed magic tricks and asked (laughs) if she, quote, was aware that girls were getting paid to find other girls. So Copperfield acts like a guy in the know. He's like, are you aware... That yeah. girls are paid to find other girls. But that's
2: now, very strange.
1: Now here's another name that yeah, will surprise I know. you. Yeah, no, I no, I... don't no, no. know. Who are you thinking of?
2: Michael Jackson?
1: Well, Michael Jackson was, I wasn't oh, gonna yeah. go there. Oh. Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. mean you have to laugh, right? The guy in a wheelchair, the guy with this paralyzing oh, disease no. who can't speak. Apparently he was a freak. Oh uh, and he was a he was a he had all these sexual fetishes. And one Ooh. of his sexual fetishes was to see midgets naked
2: no yes
1: no it's true where
2: did you read that this is all
1: in the epstein oh. files i think you're missing the best oh parts. i'm missing the... clearly you're just skimming the surface oh
2: <laughs> well i was happy to see that even though michael jackson was mentioned i don't think he did anything well you're a big fan of michael I, jackson yes well musically
1: you're, yeah you're, because jackson was used.
2: right right so um and then um uh, I asked you this morning, I said, is um, is Bill Gates mentioned in any of this? And you said, no, not well, to, yet. Not to, yet anymore. Anyway. Not yet. You're
1: right. I'm yeah. not sure if we've seen the full release of the names. Yeah. So they're focusing on the prominent names now, that are already out there. You know, they
2: keep denying that Clinton wasn't at the island, but I saw that Netflix special and where it actually inter, they, they interviewed one of the caretakers at the island and he said Bill Clinton was a frequent visitor of the island. So how does that?
1: Well, I, I think that these files appear to be corroborating that, at okay. least from the from what I've read. That,
2: but why do they keep saying, "But nothing he did it was illegal"? We're not saying that Bill Clinton did anything illegal. La 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 la. You know, because once they old, once old. they
1: admit that Clinton is part of a pedophile, I mean, think of how the, the left can't. Get, you know, there are certain things they, they don't can't want. wrap their. It's mm-mm. very difficult for them to admit, even if the evidence is staring them in the face, because the. The harsh truth about themselves that then becomes publicly confirmed is too much for them to bear. I mean, look, it was hard enough for them to do the Claudine Gay is a plagiarist. They kept saying she uses duplicative language, (laughs) right? So all these euphemisms aimed at camouflaging that offense. So somehow the word left wing and Bill Clinton and pedophile, they can't bring themselves to say in the same sentence. My name is Mark Lichtenfeld, best selling
0: author of Get Rich with Dividends and chief income strategist at the Oxford Club, one of the world's largest
1: and most prominent financial firms. Where over 250,000 readers receive my insights each week. I believe we're entering the greatest oil bull market since the 1970s. That's why I'm so excited to share this special oil and gas investment with you today. I've discovered an unusual way to potentially bank massive income from the oil and gas surge 100% outside the stock market. Oil and gas royalties are a backdoor way to get paid over and over again, and you can get into a top royalty stream for just $25. This is your chance to get. Get the income you need to truly enjoy life,
0: simply because you made the decision to give the Oxford Income Letter a risk-free try today. But this opportunity won't last forever. To learn more about Mark Lichtenfeld's unusual approach to generating monthly income from the oil markets, please visit oilpayday.com. That's oilpayday.com, paid for by the Oxford Club.
1: With each year that passes, the term health goals takes on more and more importance for Debbie and me in our younger days. Feeling great, feeling healthy was just something we took for granted, but now it's become an active goal in our life. That means we do specific things to help us get there. One of those things we do every day is take this, balance of nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. So easy. Why do we choose balance of nature? Well, a bunch of reasons. Probably one of the most important is they are always made from whole food ingredients. Have you started getting more serious about your health goals like we have? I strongly urge you to check out Balance of Nature. Whether you order online or call them direct, you got to use the promo code AMERICA to get the special offer for 35% off. So go ahead and call 800-246-8751, the number again, 800-246-8751, or you can go to balanceofnature.com, use discount code AMERICA to get 35% off. We want uh, Debbie and I to talk about um, the new uh, president of Argentina Javier Millet and normally we we love to focus on this guy's crazy i mean not crazy they're they're crazed sounding but in fact extremely intelligent outbursts and sometimes expositions but we shouldn't ignore the things the guy is doing because This is like a message to the Republicans here in this country. It's not ultimately just about what you say and promise. It's like, can you deliver? Now... Uh, I read somewhere that what Millet has done is he's invoked a kind of economic emergency power by saying Argentina's economy is in shambles, 100% inflation. It's like an economic wreckage. And this gives him power, which is important because he he does have a legislature that is not friendly to him. So, But he's able to do certain things unilaterally. And look at what he's done. I'm going to go through a, a quick list and have you sort of comment on it just and this is in a very short period of time he has eliminated 12 out of 21 cabinet posts so he's cut the cabinet like in half he's fired 5000 government employees he's ended 380000 government regulations he has banned woke language in the military he has introduced a bill to affirm the right to self defense bill to legalize homeschooling which is i guess was not common in argentina He has a proposal to punish all organizers of riots. And his new thing with with people who do demonstrations and block the roads is he's going to cut their welfare benefits. (laughs) It's it's kind of a marvelous way to concentrate their mind. It's like, oh, I'm going to go protest. Oops, I'm going to lose my welfare benefits. Um, He has privatized state run companies. He has opened up the Argentine uh, oil industry. So, all of this.
2: amazing um, amazing
1: right absolutely amazing and um the other thing about it is that this guy is uh and i I, in this way i think he's analogous to trump he's a cultural figure you even say that his haircut which is really out there it's like Uh a rock star haircut (laughs) yeah part of that image yeah right yeah and um
2: i i think he's one of a kind i really do i've never seen any any politician say or do the things he does yeah. really. I mean, anywhere in the world.
1: Right. I mean, for, first of all, start with just a simple fact that he does not hesitate to use massive obscenities. Oh, yeah. The he F loves word, that. He loves it up that. your rear end. Oh, no. He, I mean, he does not hesitate, yeah. right? Yeah. And the other thing is that politicians normally are habituated to agreeing with you uh, and also maintaining a certain cordiality. Whereas... um Whereas he'll be interviewed by someone talking about the poor or talking about why do you sound very uncompassionate and you expect him to go, well, I'm not being uncompassionate or that free market capitalism is truly – he doesn't go there. He goes, I don't care, <laughs> <laughs> right? I In other words, he basically just yeah. says, who cares what your yeah, feelings yeah. are? Yeah. And so this is a guy – I mean to me his slogan is I've had it. yeah. And yeah. he is a, in that way, so different than the whole generation that we grew up with.
2: Yeah, and he's he's kind of, you know, it's, it's funny to say this, but he is a, um, I mean, it, it's it, he's such a. a kind of a reformative guy, you know, it's like he is going to set the pace for the rest of the MAGA world. If you, if you get what I mean, Yeah. because, you know, we were joking about MAGA being make Argentina great again, but it's the same concept that, that we use with Trump and make America great again. It's basically saying that the socialist ideology, the socialist policies do not work. In fact, they hurt. And and I think that he that's what he's trying to he's trying to tell people this is why Argentina went the way it went. This is why inflation skyrocketed. This is why the poor became poorer. This is why no one had any money. He explains it in a way that not very many people can, but he is an economist. That so, is
1: true. I mean, we don't have someone of his intellectual caliber. Who is in the political sphere doing that kind of thing? The closest example I can think of is Vivek Ramaswamy, but Vivek is an entrepreneur. He's right. not an economist, but he's an entrepreneur, and he does have. He is able to go to things at a depth that is a little surprisingly rare in our politics. But Milay is way beyond that in the sense that Milay will take obscure economic theories. Um, the uh, you know a, a sort of an economic effect. He'll talk, for example, about how the government by itself produces nothing. Now we know this, but it doesn't really sink in. I mean, when we go to Washington D.C., we took Justin, you know, uh, my stepson, your son, to Washington D.C., and he was very taken by the spectacular buildings. Or Department the of Agriculture, yeah. Department of Education, Department of Energy. But if you ask the question, how much agriculture does the Department of Agriculture produce? None. How much education does the Department of Education produce? None. How much energy does the Department of Energy produce? None. So these are referee agencies that are doing nothing more than making rules for private industry and its private industry. So that's Millais' point. Yeah. All the wealth of the country is generated in the private sector. Yeah. And the state is a parasitic sector that is doing nothing more than draining the private sector. And yet he goes, think about it, the politicians who are doing this. Act like they've produced things, which I think is really important. When I was in Washington, D.C., I used to always look at these statues of these people. And I was, you know, sort of taken a little bit by, oh, this guy, the, you know, the Robert Byrd Memorial Highway. And leave aside Robert Byrd and, you know, the Kukla. (laughs) Let's leave aside all that. We don't we're not talking about all that. What we mean is Robert Byrd didn't build that highway. Right. It was built with private capital. Robert Byrd simply secured the appropriation, which is the seizure of the money of the taxpayer to put the highway, and his name goes on the highway, as if to say, I did that. You did nothing. You didn't create one penny of the wealth that built that highway, or that library, or that medical center. But
2: think about how wealthy these politicians become. On, on our backs. I mean, really, it's, Absolutely. it's crazy. But, um, and I'm sure in Argentina too. Um, I was going to say if, if Millais succeeds in, in really, uh, building up Argentina, making it great again, maybe he'd, a, he'd be a great candidate to move to America and make America great again That'd in 28, really, right? That, that would be After really funny. Trump, you know, kind of his successor.
1: Well, he needs to learn English.
2: Well, Oh, he doesn't know English? No,
1: because every no? time we've seen him, it's he's speaking uh, yeah. in Spanish with yeah. subtitles. I mean, yeah. you obviously you know I, Spanish. Yeah, so,
2: so I know. But but he's speaking to a Spanish audience, though. Have right. you ever heard? Maybe he yeah, speaks I don't, English. I, I wouldn't say I know that right? he doesn't speak
1: English. Maybe he yeah, does. Yeah, he maybe might. He I,
2: I need to ask some some people that know him to I see. I mean, there are
1: other figures worldwide, Nigel Farage and, of course, Gert Wilders and and now Georgia Maloney in Italy. But I'm not aware of anyone who has this record of accomplishment in such a short time and has created such a sensation uh, as Millet. So I think he'd have to be one of the leading figures of the global. I told you, he's one of a kind. He's one of a kind. (laughs) As we head into the presidential election year, one thing you can be sure... 2024 will be tumultuous. Well, how are you going to protect your hard-earned savings? You already see the impact of inflation at the pump, the grocery store, the dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than wages can increase. So how are you protecting your savings? Well, consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own gold in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just to text to nesh to 989898 and birch gold will send you a free information kit on gold they'll help you convert an existing ira of 401k into an ira in gold without paying a penny out of pocket with an a plus rating with the better business bureau thousands of happy customers including me and debbie you can trust birch gold text to nesh to 989898 for your free information kit no uh, obligation just information text to nesh to 98 989- Nine eight nine eight now. Debbie and I started taking relief factor two years ago and what a difference we've seen in our joints. Nothing short of amazing. Aches and pains are totally gone thanks to this 100% drug-free solution called Relief Factor. It's a natural way to fight pain. Relief Factor is a daily supplement. It helps your body fight back against pain. It's 100% drug-free. Relief Factor was developed by doctors searching for a better alternative for pain. Relief Factor uses a unique formula of natural ingredients like turmeric and omega-3s to help reduce or eliminate the everyday aches and pains Your are experiencing whether it's neck back joint or muscle pain relief factor can help you feel better unlike pills that simply mask your pain for a short time relief factor helps support your body's natural response to inflammation so you feel better all day every day see how relief factor can help you with this it's the three-week quick start kit it's only $19.95 and it comes with relief factors feel better or your money back guarantee so why not give it a try visit relieffactor.com or call 800 800- for relief, the number again, eight hundred for relief, or go to relieffactor.com. You'll feel the difference. And Debbie brought to my attention a an article. Was this Vanity Fair Vanity Fair? Vanity Fair. And it's an article, pretty in depth article. Um, I mean Vanity Fair sometimes runs long pieces, but this article, I mean you printed it out for me and it's yeah. like forty pages long. It's uh it's called The Golden Dream. And the theme of the article is that, um, well, I'm going to read the subtitle. California knows it's a state in crisis. Its leaders know, residents know, the rest of the country knows. But how it got here and whether the way out is any kind of model to follow, nobody can agree on. Now, they're acting as if California's got some problems, but there's a bunch of um, far-seeking progressives who are trying to solve these problems and when you were reading the article, you said that you thought you were in la-la land. I mean, you thought you were in a different planet. Yeah, you could hardly yeah. make sense of what yeah. these people were getting at. So explain that.
2: Yeah. So it just seems, it's very strange because they all of a sudden make it seem as though the the problems that California has are not the progressive policy problems the the democrat problems but they're our problems somehow because we are the ones that don't think that climate change is real and they're saying that you know california is being affected by climate change so we're destroying california right and then the gun the gun issue it's our fault because we don't ban guns the The conservative Stoneman guns. So it seems like everything that is bad in California is not because of the policies of the people that run California, but rather the policies of the people that don't run California. So yeah. I was like, "What is this? What I- What am I reading?
1: It's an upside down type of uh, uh, of world. Because let's look at those problems, you know, one by one. Homelessness, right? The homeless problem is created by California setting itself up almost deliberately as a magnet for the homeless. Right. Second, when the homeless get there, do whatever you want. Live wherever you want, spit wherever you want, Whoop defecate wherever you, wherever wherever you want. You, want. <laughs> you know, pick the chicken and wing off somebody's plate if you want. And so the homeless are entitled. You know, right. I mean, I remember that that in India there used to be there's a holy place called Banaras and they people talk about, and this goes back to the days of the British, the sacred apes of Benares. They were these so, so-called sacred monkeys and they were allowed to do whatever they want because they're sacred. So they would come and defecate on people and so on and no one could do anything because they're the sacred apes of Benares. and it became kind of a, a loopy. <laughs> kind of a and, joke. Yeah, well, people would, you know, do paintings and you'd see the sacred apes in there. Well, this reminds me of the homeless. They enjoy this kind of sanctified existence. They do whatever they want. By the way, they temporarily cleaned up the place because Xi Jinping oh, and yeah. others were in town. I see
2: that it can be done. It can be done. It can be done. But the
1: moment those guys left, it's like, back okay. To, back to normal. We're back to normal. And, and this means that the leaders of California have complete contempt for their own citizens. It's kind of like i don't get it you're not our priority these guys are our priority but
2: why what is the point i mean california is so beautiful as you know i i I fell in love with california when i was a child coming came to america to, uh, to visit and i thought oh my goodness it reminded me a lot of venezuela because of the topography gorgeous the ocean meets the mountains all of that right so um I was like, why is well, this Well, I mean, this place? is
1: a key, a key uh, geographical point, isn't yeah. There are parts of the country, like Colorado, where you get the mountains. Yeah. And then there are parts of the country where you get stretches, Florida, stretches of beach. Or lakes. Right. But when you go to places like Big Sur, oh. where you see the tall trees and a little further north, the redwoods, and then you have the, the huge rocks and mountains, and then right, there, you the, have the
2: roaring the ocean. Roaring
1: ocean. Ugh. It's it's an almost uh, there's this kind of almost a spiritual it, dimension. Definitely, it's like God's creation. Definitely, is concentrated. I mean,
2: I I when the first time I went to Big Sur, I I had we had to stop the car because I couldn't stop crying. I, I just was so overwhelmed by God's beauty, and and I just I had to like just.
1: So here you got a state which is, has all these advantages, and 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 the advantages are all free, right? In other words, and and so so you can do a lot of bad things in California, and people <laughs> yeah. will still want to come. Yeah.
2: I'm just laughing because my cousin told me that he's moving to. If he ever makes it to America, he's, gonna he's going to move to, go to California. California. <laughs> Little
1: does he know. You'd be like, yeah, that's, yeah, oh uh, yeah, but
2: know. no, it's true. It, it it gives them, and not just not just the the homeless American citizens. The illegals get you know treated like royalty in
1: California, and and I, I think I know why that is. It's because. If the California dream of the Democrats is their American dream. So when you look at Biden's uh, border policy, what is the real goal to tip America into a one party state? Right. They've already done that. They, in California. California is a one party state. And how do they do it? How did they take Nixon country and Reagan country and make it a one-party state for the Democrats? Boom. Illegals. Illegals. So illegals, they've tried it in California. They've proved it can work Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. And it took a long time. I mean, when we think of Nixon, we're going back to the 60s and early 70s. With Reagan, of course, we're talking about the late 70s and early 80s. So in about 30 years... Oh, 40 years. 30, 40 years. Yeah. yeah, they have destroyed it. Created, they've, they've well, yeah.
2: look. I mean, this is kind of what is going to happen to America in forty years. America will look like California, right? And that's why I say. And and the
1: theme of this article is that that's not necessarily a bad thing, (laughs) because because the premise of Vanity Fair and Vanity Fair they exist in their own world. I mean, they're not just on the left, but I think because they're on the cultural left, they're combining this kind of leftist artistic sensibility with no understanding of policy at all, and and they don't even care about it. It's Mm -mm. not important to them. To them, and the article reflects this, politics is really all about style. Mm-hmm. You notice how, the, how this reporter approaches the topic? Yeah. He goes and hangs out with Nancy Pelosi yeah. and he talks about her sunglasses and he talks about the how fact... How she that-
2: likes ice cream and she puts chocolate syrup on her ice exactly. cream. And-, and then he
1: goes to oh, Hollywood yeah. he's hanging out with... <laughs> who's the guy from Hollywood? The, the Hollywood mogul uh, Katzenbach, I think it is. And Katzenbach talks about his marshal... Think about it. You've got Jeffrey Katzenbach, Hollywood agent. And he's like, let me tell you my Marshall Plan for the homeless. So, uh, so this is the Vanity Fair world.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
1: uh, and it's very but skewed. it also shows that it shows one. I think one of the cardinal weaknesses of the left, and that is that they don't do any scrutiny of their own policies because no, they blame. I'm telling well, you, they, right. In other words, no matter how bad the policy is, they will never correct it because they don't acknowledge that it's failing in yeah, the first no, place. No,
2: exactly, because they don't. They don't acknowledge that that's the reason it's failing. Right. But they blame the other side right. for, that, for that for that for that failure, even though it is their policy that is the failure. But you're right.
1: I it, mean, you can do this in politics. You cannot do it in normal life, right? I mean, if you or I start a business and the business is hemorrhaging money, right? The fact of it is something is going wrong right here. And you can't start blame with... Blame the
2: customer. Right.
1: Blame the customer. <laughs> exactly. Or or you've got to say there's something wrong with my product. Right. And that's why it's not finding... But
2: they're never going to admit that there's something wrong with their product. Never.
1: Never. And so the way they do that is that they have to create solutions for problems that they themselves have inflicted it's kind of like saying i'm going to take an axe and 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 deliver a blow to your knee and then i'll supply a bandage for you to bandage your mm-hmm. knee so and i think this is a lot of what's going on they'll say things like well the problem of the homeless is that we just haven't built enough public housing for them mm-hmm. so they, they and they don't realize that the homeless aren't looking for public housing. If they were, if they were looking for public housing, they wouldn't be in these. They would tents.
2: be in in the public They'd housing be in public now. Public housing now, yeah, because they I mean, are available.
1: Public housing is available. Yeah, it's available. Um, yeah,
2: and then and then the gun issue, which which was interesting, because apparently, um, uh, what's his, the Gavin Newsom? Newsom. He just uh, signed a bill. That is going to essentially make it illegal for anybody to carry a weapon in, in, in a church, in a movie theater, in, in a restaurant, any public place, library, school, whatever. And, and so again, they're blaming the gun issue on the citizens. Instead of on the criminals or on the, on the people that are have mental issues, right? So they, they completely ignore that component of gun violence. And, and to be honest, I can't think of a single incident where a law abiding citizen just went crazy, you know, and, and shot up people. I can't think of a single ins- instance that that happened. Every single one is, it's either an, a disgruntled employee who's already kind of crazy or A crazy person that should be in an institution already, or a criminal that shouldn't have a gun because he's not not supposed to have one, right? I mean,
1: in almost every case, it's a clear failure of some liberal system, right? So, for example, here's a guy who's nuts. He has been subject to multiple mental evaluations. In in other words, it's in almost every case they already know that there's a guy who's deranged. Yeah, and yet. He's out there, he's yep. doing his thing, and finally he pulls out a gun and kills 20 people. Yeah. And then they go, the gun did it, right. or, or the solution is to suppress the rights exactly. of law-abiding.
2: Exactly, but what's going to happen is that law-abiding citizens will keep their guns at home, and no one will be able to stop the lunatic.
1: Right, no, absolutely Well, the other thing that's happening is that I would say that people's desire for guns is increasing because when you see crime multiplying and you see all these attacks on the cops and then I keep reading about the fact that this police department in Wisconsin has resigned and this police chief has committed suicide, then I say to myself, well – The whole case for me not having a gun or protecting myself is that I'm going to rely on the cops. But if I can't rely on the cops, which you normally can anyway, I mean, if you have a home invasion or a mugging, you're on your own. The cops are going to show up later. Later, But you have to handle it in that situation. And so you're going to say that the more lawless a society Mm -hmm. is, the more imperative it is for you and me to be able to protect ourselves. It's a new year, guys, and you might need some new bed sheets for your house. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't just stop with the pillows. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but also extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. And Mike's got a great deal. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You get a set for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. Wow. Go to MyPillow.com. There you'll find not just this great offer, but deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, the MyPillow mattress topper, the kitchen towel sets, the flannel sheets, and so much more. Call 800-876-0227. The number again, 800-876-0227 or go to MyPillow.com to get the discount. You need to use the promo code. It's D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. If you'd like to support my work, I'd like to invite you to check out my Locals channel and become a monthly or an annual subscriber. I post a lot of exclusive content on Locals, including content that's censored on other social media platforms. On Locals, you get Dinesh Unchained, Dinesh Uncensored. You can also interact with me directly. I do a weekly live Q&A every Tuesday. No topic is off limits. I've also uploaded some cool films to Locals, documentaries, feature films, both mine and films by other independent producers. 2,000 Mules is up there, and a new film uh, came out late last year, Police State. If you're an annual subscriber, you can stream and watch all of this content for free. It's included. So check out the channel. It's free to check it out. Dinesh.locals.com. I'd love to have you along for this great ride. Again, it's Dinesh.locals.com. I'm going to um, dive right into C.S. Lewis's minor... Well, slim, but I think great work. It's called The Four Loves. And I spoke yesterday about Lewis's background, the fact that he is known as a Christian apologist. We will see some discussions in this work about Christian love, about God's love, about the special relationship between God and his prized creation, mankind. Uh, but we find that uh, this is far more than a book of apologetics, it is a book of observation, it's a book of insight. Someone could be not religious at all and read this book and get a lot out of it. And uh, this is particularly true uh, in discussing the first three types of love, but it is also true in discussing the fourth type of love, which C.S. Lewis will call agape, agape, Christian love, if you will, charitable love. Um, but even charitable love can be understood very much uh, in a human, in a human sense, even though Lewis means it both in a human sense. And in a in a divine sense. Now, Lewis, in his early career, was a literary scholar. He was a a medieval a literary critic, and that's important because we find that in this book, he doesn't just discuss uh, examples from ordinary life, but also examples from literary life. He'll be talking about uh, something that happened to him around a fireplace in Oxford, and that's ordinary life. And then he will make an allusion to Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. This is, of course, the great work from Miguel de Cervantes. And so, what is the value of doing this? Why would you go from ordinary life to literary life? Uh, Why would characters that are fictional somehow contribute to our understanding of human nature and of the four types of love? Well, the answer is that literature widens our range of experience. Think about it. The way you or I live, our experience is pretty confined. And I don't just mean it's confined because I haven't traveled that much. Even if you've traveled a lot, the fact of it is you are born into a particular place. You are socialized in a particular way. You live in a particular time or era, and you are, in some senses, bracketed or confined by that. Uh, whereas, think of what it means. What When you read a work like uh, Don Quixote, you get an idea, this is the imagination of a very different guy, Cervantes, uh, who lives, he's um, essentially living, living in Spain in the 16th century and writing about a medieval period that came even a few hundred years before that. Uh, Don Quixote, in other words, is is a 16th century man, a squire, who fancies that he is, in fact, a knight living in the Middle Ages. So all of this suddenly takes us into a world kind of unfamiliar to us, uh, but one that is still recognizable to us. The characters like Sancho Panza, Don Quixote, and, and many others in the novel, completely recognizable to us, and so what Lewis is able to do is tap into uh, empirical experience, ordinary experience, but also literary experience in discussing these four loves. Now, what are the four loves? What are they? Uh, Lewis uh, says that they, he uses the Greek term to introduce each one of them. And so I will also. So the first one is called Storgi, Storgi. And what does it mean? Well, it basically means affection. It's the type of love that arises out of sheer presence, uh, belongingness, uh, and out of that belongingness, out of that presence, just being around somebody, you develop a certain type of affection toward them. Lewis will go into this in some detail, but this is the love that you see, for example, uh, in a family. Think of it you don't choose your family, you're just they're just there with you, your brother, your sister. Just they pop out. They're now they live with you. They're part of your family, uh, and um, you develop uh, an understanding, a relationship, and an affection toward them. So the affection of father and son, of mother and daughter, of brother and sister, affection between neighbors. Think of it: some guy moves next door. You didn't ask for him to move in. He's a complete stranger. But over time, you get to know him to one degree or another. You sort of see him over the fence, or he's mowing his lawn. And uh, a certain type of affection develops between people, again, people who are just thrown together. And and Lewis, in a kind of amusing way, says that this kind of relationship even applies to man and dog, man, and cat. So if you have a pet, again, you relate to the pet in some way, what would you describe that as? Well, that's affection. That's the first type of love, Storgi. The second type of love is from the Greek word philia, And what does philia refer to? Well, it refers to friendship, friendship. Now, friendship is a different kind of love than affection. And if you think about like, what distinguishes your family from your friends, uh, you re- realize right away that you picked your friends. Uh, you might have bumped into them originally accidentally. Oh, I met this guy. He was in my Spanish class or he was in my history class. And then over time, we became friends. So you meet a lot of people. You bump into a lot of people, but you choose some of them. You call them out and you say, yeah, I want to spend more time with this guy. uh, And I want to get to know this guy better. And in some cases, you have friendships that last for a duration of time. You're friends in college, but then you move on. Uh, Or friendships that persist throughout life, really lifelong friendships. Um, and the other thing about friendships is that you're they're by and large derived by something that you have in common with somebody. So you're talking with a guy you just met and it turns out you both love to play chess or you love literature or you see the same types of movies, you're aficionados of horror movies. And uh, that becomes the entry point for getting to establish a friendship in which you ultimately learn other things about a friend, including some things that you don't have in common, but it's the common element That holds the friendship together. It is the shared interests, the shared values that becomes very critical. So that's the second type of love, phileia. The third type of love in the Greek, eros. And of course, eros is the root of our English word erotic, eroticism. It's romantic love, it is, of course, marital love. Uh, It is the love, um, and C.S. Lewis is not going to be bashful about this. He, by and large, talks about heterosexual love. Uh, He's writing, of course, before all our modern uh, sort of uh, confusion surrounding the issue, but Lewis takes it in its most traditional approach. You fall in love. Uh, you You create a life together with a partner or spouse. you have children, so romantic love marital love this is eros and it is it 's probably if you say the word love it is probably the most commonly. Uh, it's the most common association with love. I'm in love. I want to be in love. I I, I love you. These phrases uh, that relate to love are almost all plucked out of this type of love, uh, which is eros. And it's probably the type of love that, that people have maybe thought most about, uh, pursued most intensely. If you think about it, the other types of love kind of kind of are taken more for granted. You don't really pursue a family. you got a family. It kind of comes with the territory. Uh, Friends, you don't really go so much in search. I'm going to go search for a friend. Uh, Friends sort of organically emerge into your life, and they just become sort of part of it. Um, but on the other hand, you have all kinds of people in pursuit of eros. Oh, I'm going to go and join online dating. I'm, I'm going to go to libraries because that's where all the nice girls are. Uh, I'm, I, th- I hope I meet someone at church. So you've got a active pursuit of eros in a way that, um, you perhaps don't in the other two forms of love. And then we come to the fourth and final type of love. Uh, and it is uh, agape, some people say agape, it is uh, Christian uh, love. Uh, but in its true meaning, it is just unselfish love. It is charitable love. And, and right here, we should think about the fact that love normally is pretty self-motivated. Uh, it is driven by human wants and needs, uh, think about in a family, uh, a child is attached to the mother, but the child needs the mother. The child wants food. The child wants affection, and the mother is there to provide it. Uh, and similarly, the child might serve some need or want in the mother. So even in this most fundamental sense, you've got uh, you've got storgi or affection based upon this basic human need. Um, it it's perhaps arguable whether friendship is a human need in the same way. Maybe there are some people who can exist really without friends, although I think friendship is important for a full life. And if someone is doesn't have any friends, you're like, wow, I feel a little sorry for that guy because he doesn't have or she doesn't have any friends or any good friends, anyone that you can really confide in as a friend. And... um uh, and eros is also based upon need uh it's grounded in the basic human impulse that you uh that is sort of implanted in us uh, so when you're talking about uh, agape or uh charitable love it's love that derives no benefit the reason it's it's sometimes associated with god's love is that god doesn't need us god creates us he chooses to re- relate to us But God doesn't need us. Now interestingly, you can't say that the same is true from the other side. We actually do need God. Uh, And so uh, agape is really God's love flowing toward us, not so much our love flowing toward God, which is based upon the fact that we need God uh, and we pursue God and we have rewards to be gained if we, um, if we love God. Uh, in other words, we're looking for an afterlife. We're looking for another life beyond this one. We're looking for hope beyond the grave. So these are all actual incentives that we have to pursue, if you will, God. But God doesn't have those same motives. God doesn't get anything out of us that he doesn't already have. God already uh, has a certain type of built-in perfection, if you will. So anyway, this this has all been, I guess, more Dinesh than C.S. Lewis, but I think it is a, a valid way to plunge into Lewis's kind of unique and insightful observation of these four types of love, and we pick up on all of that next week.
0: Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com.